Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. We are your hosts, Orion and Peter, but I'm actually just Orion. I'm and just Peter. That, you're okay. just Peter. All right. Uh, it's, that could be, we could change your Twitter handle, at just Peter. That might be taken. Uh, probably. Anyway, don't tweet that one. Uh, let's get the Twitter stuff out of the way. I already went there. <laughs> Go right ahead. If you've already listened to the show and you're aware that we're the More Than Hearers podcast, then you know that we talk Bible. So then I can I can tell you if you want to get a hold of us because you forgot from the last episode which you've been listening to that Peter is tweetable at mth underscore Peter, but I'm tweetable at Orion Plays Music, and this is episode twenty seven. That how's that for order and structure? I like it. All right. So is there anything else I was supposed to do? Oh yeah, there's a Facebook thing. Uh-huh. So I'm just gonna flip the order on y'all. The Facebook page. You should engage us there. There's an opportunity for a rhyme with engage and page. As a musician, I saw that, but I didn't take it. So you're welcome. And you can go to facebook.com slash more than hearers. You can email us direct email. Yeah, email. Email. Not not female. (laughs) Or email. (laughs) Just email us. This is going sideways fast. Yes, it is. Uh, well, podcast at more than heroes dot com. Uh, Luke five, go. <laughs> saved it. Wait, wait, I'm not ready. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> saved, saved it from the brink of disaster once again. Uh, I kind of feel like it doesn't count. Uh, saving something, something from the brink of disaster. If you're the one that pushed it to Fair the enough. brink of. Okay, there Fair we go. You've manufactured an artificial crisis. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Is a- like, all, like all great supervillains. <laughs> right? But first you have to tell us about how you manufacture. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's episode 27. It is Luke chapter 5. Uh, you know, I was looking at this, and I, I prefaced it just a little bit at the end of the previous episode, how this portion of Luke actually happens a little out of order. Because in Luke chapter 4... We uh, saw Jesus go to the house of Simon and heal his mother-in-law. But then in Luke chapter 5, we get introduced to Simon. It's a little out of order. And, and I've, I've pulled some conjecture out as we've gone through Luke. And I was thinking about this in the prep for this episode. Where I talked about how in the, the story of the birth of Jesus and some of the other things, you could almost see Luke sitting down talking to Mary about, well, like, what happened next? And like, what happened next? And like Luke 1 through 4 is almost what Mary related to Luke. And then now we get into Luke 5, and Luke's hanging out with Peter, Simon, same guy. And he's like, so tell me about how'd you, how'd you come to, to meet Jesus? And Luke chapter 5 is kind of that story. So here we go. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Peter's not going to pronounce the word, but it also means the Sea of Galilee. It's got a bunch of different names. It's also other places in the Bible called the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, Just got different names. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Does this strike you as weird, Orion? You may already know where I'm going, but it's just kind of odd. Like he's hanging out on the shore teaching people and he's like, I'm going to get in a boat and Go out a little bit and teach. Well, I, I'm trying to figure out if, he, be, because of Luke 4, if he didn't already know Simon. Like, I mean, you're in this small town or 
whatever Small size region, town. yeah. Yeah, so what's to say that over the last several years they didn't know each other somewhat, right? It's possible. It's it's possible. Yeah, well, I mean, just, just if I go right on the face of it, Luke 4, Jesus and... Simon, I think. I mean, it just says this, Jesus went to the, ha- the house of Simon. Yeah. So it's like, it, it'd be unlikely that they met at that point. You know, knock, knock. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I'm hey, Jesus. Your mom-in-law yeah. got a fever, and I want cookies. Yeah. I'm here to rebuke it so we can get some snacks. <laughs> yeah. Scones, even. Sure. So, so here, that it doesn't say that he met Simon in this context. I've always assumed that it, it was at this point. But I don't know why, because it doesn't say that, right? It doesn't. You're right. Uh, you're not wrong. Okay. They could already have had some familiarity at this point. Yeah. So anyway, that would alleviate the awkwardness of just stepping into a guy's boat and then him going, calling you master or whatever. You know? I, I was <laughs> and then that's coming. He's going to call him that. Exactly. You read ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. cheated. I, I was trying to get uh, the question I was asking was from uh, I was looking at something different. Oh, um, I answer things poorly sometimes. It's OK. I asked the question poorly. Fair enough. Why would Jesus want to get in a boat? And back out away from the shore's edge a little bit. Oh, so what we know from the previous passages here leading up, he was not real keen on people knowing who he really was. Is, it, is that the right answer? No. That, of all people, I would have expected you to hit this one out of the park. Sorry, I'm not good with fishing. How is sound over water? Uh, oh, I, over flat water? Yeah. I don't even... It carries well. I guess it would. Yeah. It carries well. So as the oh. crowd grows and he's speaking, if he were to back out into the water a little bit, yeah. it would help project what he was saying. It would actually use to the a surface larger... of the water as an as a soundboard. Yeah, like a bounce, to bounce everything that he says off the whole horizontal plane, plane below them. Because we covered in chapter four, no mic to drop. Right. Uh, your only amplification of your voice is to use nature, if you will. Thank you. Uh, and this guy created sound. And water, and the behavior of sound over water, and so he goes. Oh, I know how to do this. Uh, can you back me out just a little? Uh, trust me, it's going to go over great with a crowd. That's good stuff. Like it's just it's cool. Anyway, so um, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And I kind of wanted to be Simon in that moment of just, just. Kick it in the boat. You get the anchor out. You make sure everything's settled and Jesus is comfortable. And uh, and you're just hanging out in the in the in the wings, if you will, sort of backstage pass to Jesus while Jesus is teaching. Oh, to be his entourage, right? When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Let you put out in deep water and let down the nets for a catch." And Simon goes, "Master, we've we've worked hard all night. And we haven't caught anything." I'm done. It's not what he says, but but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. 
I'm going to wait before I go on in the verse. I want to talk about this whole fishing thing just a little bit. So much of this stuff that I share, I've either picked up from a message that um, I've heard along the way, or you've probably heard it along the way, or whatever. But the observation, if I didn't point out some of these observations, I feel like I'd be remiss. So Jesus borrows this boat to do his speaking. They're done fishing. They've fished all the fishing they can do. They haven't caught anything. It's been a rough day at work. They're washing out their nets. They're putting things away. And Jesus happens to be preaching nearby. They're catching bits and pieces. And then Jesus goes, could you put me out in the water a little bit? And Simon's like, yeah, might as well do something today. Sure as heck didn't catch any fish. Rows him out, sets anchor, and just relaxes after a long day. Here's a great message. All done. And then Jesus goes, you want to go catch some fish? And Simon's like, not not really. I don't really. You're a great preacher. I'm not saying anything wrong with you, Jesus, and you're preaching. But I'm, I'm a fisherman. I, I've got this boat, and I've got some partners, and we have this other boat over here, too. There's nothing to catch. It's what we do. Yeah. Like, but I respect you. I respect your message. You did get my mother-in-law out of bed, if that maybe happened beforehand. Um, Thank you. I'm going to... I'll throw some nets. It's, it's easier to just go throw some nets than to stand here and argue with you. And so they put out the deep water and he throws the net and it's insane. That it's, was a mistake. It's like, <laughs> it's like not caught some fish, caught all the fish. Like to the point where he's like, James, John, uh, uh, you want some fish? Guys, get the boat out. And they're like, we're cleaning up nets, Peter, all done. No, thanks. Got to go home. Uh, my mother-in-law's still sick. Uh, no, it's, it's kidding. And he goes, no, no, we can't get the nets out of the water. Too many fish. Come quick. So they come, and uh, and they they pull out, and it says they loaded. By the time they loaded all the fish, both boats are practically sinking. And Jesus, uh, Peter, Simon, Simon, he's Simon at this point, just has this revelation of this is more than a great preacher, and. Uh, I've already argued with him once, and I've been in a terrible mood today because we haven't caught any fish and probably said some things I shouldn't. And he goes, I really need you off my boat. You're, I'm a sinful man. Uh, I need you off my boat. And it really is kind of that it's us, right? It's like it's so us of when we start to realize who Jesus is, we have two choices. We can be changed or we've got to get away from him. You can't. You can't do, you can't stay near him and refuse to be changed once you realize who he is. Uh, you, you've either got to distance yourself from him or you've got to be different. And so Peter goes, uh, you, you got to get off my boat. It's verse 8. When, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. But then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. It, many of you have this memorized in another version where it says, uh, I will make you fishers of men. It's the same thing. Um, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. That means they left the fish. Yeah. What? Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that before you said it. I had not seen it. I, 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 uh, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is awesome. The the that this is their their profession, but also the biggest haul of their 
life. I mean, this, all the fish, like you said, and that they could have turned a good profit here. They could have been set for a while. I think you salt that stuff and store it. You know, you get to work on it pretty quick. They go, leave the fish. What? Like, that's just so rad. Yeah. And I love remembering this story because so often we teach the other great catch a fish story. That's yes. the one we like to teach. Post-resurrection. Post yeah. Yeah. Post-resurrection. Peter's tired of waiting around for Jesus to appear again. He's appeared once, but then disappeared again. He's like, I'm, I'm going fishing. I'm sick of waiting. I've already denied the guy three times. Rooster crowed. He died. I saw him again. Now I don't see him again. I don't know. I'm just going to go back to what I know because I don't know how to make sense of anything. And so he goes out fishing. They're fishing all night. They catch nothing. Nothing again. And he's like, I can't even fish right anymore. And there's some rando dude just walking on the shore of the lake. Goes, you guys catch anything? No. Did you try the other side of the boat? No. Try the other side. Fine. And they throw the nets and instantly they go tight. And you see it because it's, it's at the end. I think it's at the end of Luke or it might be in John. And Peter jumps out of the boat. Yes. He's like, I know this story. Right. Not only have I read it before, but I know what happens. I know who this is. It says it's the Lord. And he jumps overboard and swims to shore. It's so funny that um, net fishing is different than uh, pole fishing. Yeah. Net fishing is where you go for the, you try to get the, the bunches of fish. And there could be pockets. Yeah. But they wouldn't be four feet from each other or six feet from each, you know, from, no. I mean, they're, they're, like, you're not going to hit the pocket six On the feet other over. side of the boat. Right. Yeah, yeah no. Just, I love it. No. And, and that story at the end of the gospel would have nowhere near the impact if it, we didn't have this story. And doesn't it speak to how much Jesus hates fish that he would sacrifice so many of them? <laughs> Just to prove, <laughs> I never saw that in scripture before. So I'm a little, I'm a little bitter about a message I got from uh, someone that was trying to equate animals to people. Yeah. So I'm now looking. I'm seeing uh, the. I'm seeing it everywhere. Jesus values people over animals always. If that offends you, then Jesus podcast must be, at morethanhearers.com. Jesus must be very offensive to you. Yeah. No, it's it's true. It's it, it's true. It's it, it's true. I, I want to qualify it, yeah. but I'm not going. No, it doesn't need it because it, it diminishes it. But this each step of the way for these guys sets up more and more their understanding of who Jesus is and who they are in relation to Jesus. Again, this account is why that second one is such a big deal to Peter. It's why he just tosses off his cloak and swims to shore. Uh, that's not the quickest way to get back to shore if you're in a boat. It's the most dramatic, I think. It is. Short of lighting the boat on fire. But in the midst of everything, you yeah. just want to be with Jesus. I love it. Yeah. There's a lot there's there's that's that's enough takeaway right there. Because that's but. unbridled passion, like you just like I gotta go now. Even even if you're if you're irrational, you know, like that's yeah, there's some good stuff there. And the other thing about the verse eleven, they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything and followed him. They weren't just guys who worked on fishing boats. Right. These three owned a couple of boats and a fishing business. 
they it, it was a real deal for them. Um, yeah, yeah, when it says left everything, it's almost not an exaggeration to actually say. I mean, we know Simon had uh, family. Yeah, he had but, a wife and a mother-in-law at least. Yeah. Right, but but in, to some degree, he left those two for this ministry. Yeah, yeah, it's it's intense. It's when we're asked to give up something for the gospel or just for uh, for righteousness, and we go, ah, but that. You're asking, it's so hard, it's so much. I don't just, they left everything. Luke doesn't mix any words. Anyway, verse 12. Uh, I love this story, if you didn't know. I say that about a lot of stories in the Bible, but I really love this one. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Footnote in the NIV, uh, the Greek word traditionally translated leprosy was used for various diseases affecting the skin. He had skin disease. Uh, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Okay, I want to set this up before I read the next verse. <laughs> I just preached on this this last uh, Sunday or so. And so I, I, and I love this anyway. I've probably even mentioned this story in the podcast before. Um, leprosy. Uh, in this time or in the context of this culture. So it's, it's first century Israel. Most of these people are Jews. There were rules and or laws concerning diseases of the skin. And they're in Leviticus. If you want to read them, um, they're gross. <laughs> they're descriptions of if it turns white, does the hair in it turn yellow? Does the hair in it turn white? Is the hair black? This, that, the other thing, and different rules of how long to quarantine and what do you do and what's the priest got to do. And if it goes away, the priest got to check again in seven days and make sure it's still gone. And it's just gross stuff. But if you had a, a disease of the skin, if you had leprosy, the Bible says that you had to tear your clothes. You had to wear a scarf around the lower half of your face. You had to have your hair messy. And you had to walk around declaring to people that you were unclean. And you couldn't live in town. You had to live outside of town. And anytime anybody came near you, you had to scream unclean at the top of your head because you were unclean. There's another portion of the law that says that anything, this is how unclean you were. Anything an unclean person touches, it's in uh, Numbers 19, by the way, um, also becomes unclean. So if you touched a sippy cup, that sippy cup is unclean now. And to the point of anybody who then touched the sippy cup after you, also unclean. That's how unclean, unclean is. And so that's why when he comes to Jesus, he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He doesn't say, Lord, if you're willing, you can get rid of my leprosy. Lord, if you're willing, you can make this rash not itch so much. He says, you can make me clean. You can make me part of society again. You can make me whole again. You can restore my whole life. Now, Verse 13 says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And here's why I like this story so much. Is I already covered uh, what it meant to be unclean. And I also told you that anything that an unclean person touches becomes unclean. And that even a clean person touches the thing that the unclean person touched, that makes them unclean. So how much more unclean would you be if you touched an unclean person? Orion? Uh... All of the unclean? All of the unclean. Jesus is... All of the clean. All of the clean. He's God. 
Jesus can't be unclean. So, listener, what would happen if clean Jesus touched unclean man? We'll wait. We'll look for your emails and we'll come back again. No, I'm just kidding. The only option, the only option that existed was that that guy in that moment with that touch would be made clean. There was no like special hocus pocus, whatever you want to call it, to to Jesus touching him. Other than the law said the man was unclean and that anything he touched would be made unclean, except that Jesus being the absolute fulfillment of the law and being totally perfect, when he touched the guy, the only option was that that guy had to be made clean. It's the coolest thing in the Bible to me. Well, that's not true. There's other really cool stuff. It's one of the coolest things in the Bible to me. Then it gets weird. And we talked about this last episode. I didn't realize it was coming so fast to Ryan, but here it is. Verse 14, then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Here's Jesus telling people again, don't, don't tell anybody. Just go, you know, it's just like if you got over leprosy on your own. You just go show yourself to the priest. Uh, right. Do the washings. They're going to hold you in quarantine for seven days and check you again and then go about your life. Ideally, they would still give thanks to God for this healing. Sure. But here they had an op. I mean, he- Jesus had the opportunity to really make it known again that he was God. And instead, he keeps that on the down low for the time being. There's coming a story in. I think it's in Luke. I'm pretty sure it's in Luke. It might be probably the next chapter. Probably, you know, in our luck. But it's further in Jesus' ministry where he's preaching around Galilee and his brothers come to him and go, this is no way to build whatever it is you're building. Uh, If you want to be big time, you need to go to the big town. Get out of Capernaum and these places around Galilee. If you want to set this up, man, why are you not doing this in Jerusalem? And last episode, there was a, a, a point where um, we read how Jesus read the Isaiah scroll, and he had everyone in the you know, proverbial palm of his hand or whatever. And then they're looking to him like, okay, what's, well, what's next? Like, this, guy's, this guy can teach. Like, what's next? What's he got for us? And then he, like, roasts them, you know? And he, he totally could have, if he was just a you know, silver-tongued guy, like, he could have been, like, rose them up to be whatever sort of the army. The ushers come forward and collect the offering. Yeah. <laughs> and instead he he turns them so angry that they want to kill him. And the same thing happens again when he uh, well, not the same thing, but I mean I think the same thing did happen again. But he's he does it at, the, at these times, but even like where he's, he talks about whoever eats of my uh, you know flesh or whoever does not eat of my flesh and does not drink, drink my, my blood, blood has no part of me. Yeah, and and everyone's like, look at this sicko, and then they this leave. is where we get off the train, right? <laughs> yeah, and they abandon him. But it it just goes to show that he was not interested in building these like factions or you know these uh, momentary things. Like he had such. It's it's of so much more import that this is a real relationship that he, he needs to be able to say these controversial things and you still stick with him and you still seek after him that he he like he messes up quote you know the messes up the good thing by being all the way honest. 
Yeah. All the uh, too much honesty. Yeah. Jesus, we're losing them again. Yeah, dial it back just a little bit. This is not the way to sell books. Yes. Uh, it's verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There's a funny little thing on the internet that I love. It comes out every now and again. It says, Dear Jesus, do you remember that time when people were so mean to you, you went and hid in that tomb for three days? Man. I'm kind of feeling that right now. <laughs> it's that, it made me think of it. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Uh, it's a principle for us, I think, of, especially for those of you who are, if you're involved in any sort of ministry whatsoever, and you're like, no, I'm not involved in ministry. I just uh, hand out bulletins at my church. Oh, you're involved in ministry. Uh, I'm not involved in ministry. I just uh, I pour the grape juice in the communion cups uh, once a month at church. You're involved in ministry. Uh, I'm not involved in ministry. I just make sure the bathrooms are clean before Sunday service. You're involved in ministry. And God bless you. Yeah, and you're doing way better work than a lot of people. Um, but there's a point to where often where we need to stop and we need to reconnect. Um, and and make sure we're filled before we go pour out again. So that's that uh, Jesus often went through to lonely places and prayed. Verse 17. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord is with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I like these dudes. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, Jesus is God. We know that, but apparently they weren't in on the deal. Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of the Man, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he turns to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. And meanwhile, his friends had to stay back and fix the roof. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Well, Ryan, how many teachings have you heard on this story? Uh, 27, 28. You got a mark down. <laughs> how many have you heard since you were a kid? Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I heard most of them when I was a kid. Yeah. I, the, I didn't go to church when oh, I was a kid. Oh, that's right. Much. It was teen years for you when you really started to go. Yeah, late I, teens. Well, my, uh, my first baptism, which I shouldn't really say, but people are like, you don't need to be baptized more than once. And I'm like, I know. But I felt so re-energized that I just wanted to declare again publicly like it was a new baptism. So, right. So for me, a second baptism was worth it or whatever sure but my first one i think i was 16 okay um i believe i, I believe i was 16 how old were you had the second one just out of curiosity oh i don't i don't know uh probably uh late 20s very early 30s possibly but probably i think it was late 20s okay i mine was june 
1988, and I think I know the date, but I'm trying to find a June 1988 calendar so that... To verify it was a Sunday? I Right. I know it was Father's Day. I don't know if calendars go back that far. They do. They do? Yeah, well, a Google search. So it would have been June 19th, 1988. That's when I got baptized. Anyway, right it's not pertinent to the story. I've heard several teachings on this, most of them about the faith of the friends or about the faith of the guy about the lack of faith of the Pharisees. But I heard one that um, brought out something I'd never seen in the story before. And it's there at the beginning. One day, uh, Jesus was teaching, this is verse 17, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord is with Jesus to heal the sick. The power's there for Jesus to heal the sick but instead he's surrounded by all these Pharisees and teachers of the law. All these, I'm stretching a little bit, but all these church folks are in the way of ministry happening. We're so, we get so focused sometimes as Christians on sucking up all the Jesus for ourselves that we forget that the whole purpose of this thing is to go out and to get more disciples, to to have more lives impacted for the gospel. Once our lives are impacted, once we've, once we've been at the feet of Jesus, we need to move and get more people at the feet of Jesus. Now, granted, these weren't Jesus people. These were just church people. They were Jewish church people. I like the notion in that. It just makes me wonder, why did they all show up? Well, there's, that's not really related in the story other than they get argumentative. Eventually, sure. Yeah. So they may have come seeking the argument. I guess you, you might. Or it's presume. early enough in the ministry they just wanted to see is this guy with us or against us. Sure. And a lot of times I think you go into that bias of I'm listening for heresy. Oh, yeah. Not I'm listening to be touched or to be changed. I'm listening for heresy. If I don't hear any, well, we're going to get this guy at our synagogue. <laughs> if I don't hear But any. if I do, I can look good at my synagogue going, many of you have heard about Rabbi Jesus. He says he can forgive sins. I don't think so. I think only God can forgive sins, and he doesn't much look like God to me. And then Jesus pulls the classic, why not both? Yeah, por que no las dos? <laughs> Keeps happening. We're going to get sued by the La Victoria people or whoever that commercial's by. But, um, but these guys come carrying this paralyzed man. They've got this friend. They hear this Jesus guy's healing. And they've got a friend who needs healing. And the friend's like, I can't even walk. Like, forget it, guys. And the guy, his buddies are like, no, 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 no. Get on your mat. Oh, you're already there. You can't get off. Uh, we're going to take you. What are you going to do? Get up and stop us? And they pick him up and they drag him there. And the house is just packed with church folks. And he's like, I really want to go home. I, don't, I really don't belong here. There's no way to get in. Let's just go. And they're like, no, no, up on the roof. Um, up on the where? Up on the roof. We're, we're gonna, we're just, uh, we brought some chain and some ratchet straps. We're just going to lower you down. And they lower him down right at the feet of Jesus. It's, it's the most bananas thing, and it gets weirder for me, and I don't have answers for some of this. Doesn't the story really just show how much the centurion nailed it, where he's like, there's someone in my house, they're ill, but if you just say they're, they're well, then they will You don't even up. have to come. Yeah. Because yeah. Jesus is like, well, take me over. He's like, no, that's fine. Just, yeah. just say it or whatever. And it's like, oh, there we go. Like, that would have been so much easier. But they didn't know. But, and this gotta, one, you got to you know, give them credit where, where it's due. They didn't know. Verse 20 is so weird to me. 
when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your friend, sorry, your sins are forgiven. Not when he saw the faith of the dude on the mat. When he saw the faith of his friends. Maybe was it combined faith, like everyone's faith? Maybe, but why focus on theirs? Yeah, isn't it, isn't it, it seems like it shouldn't matter. My right? faith isn't enough for you. Right. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't have answers. But anyway, I love this. The Pharisees are like, that's blasphemy. He can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. What? What the heck? We're, they're walking into a setup here. They really are. <laughs> Show me a denarius. Sorry, that's another story for later. I like that one too. Um, but Jesus goes... Why are, you, why are you talking mess about me? Mm-hmm. I heard you. Say it out loud. How do you hear it? <laughs> he goes, what's easier, though, for me to just sit here and go, your sins are forgiven, when none of you could tell that or not? Sure. Or to go, eh, take up your mat and walk. And they're like, well, it's easier to say sins are forgiven. He goes, hey, get up and get out of here. And the guy's like, I'll be leaving. <laughs> just gets up, picks up his mat and bails. I Just... Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, verse 26. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector uh, by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. If you didn't know, Levi is Matthew. Matthew's account of this is much more detailed. Um. Verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and large, a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answers them. So they, they go to Peter and James and John and Andrew and those guys, and they go, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus goes, I'll answer that across the table. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There's a lot of things that Jesus said that made the Pharisees and teachers of the law mad. I've got to imagine this was one of the worst. I'm not here for you. Mm-hmm. I don't, I almost said I don't care, but Jesus cares. But really, in a lot of ways, he's like, I didn't come for you. It came for people who are lost. The truth is, is they're lost too. They just don't think they are. Because I'm coming for people who know they're lost and need a way out, who need to be found. Tax collectors, if you guys don't know the context of tax collectors in the first century, I won't dwell on it for real long here. Nobody liked them. We don't like them now. They really didn't like them then because they were complete sellouts. They sold out their countrymen for money, plain and simple. Okay, so they're a lot like tax collectors today. No, just kidding. No. <laughs> just kidding. It was totally, they, they extorted money from their fellow brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, um, to make a few bucks. They were awful people. And it's so funny because he's at his little tax booth, Matthew is, Levi, calls him in, in Luke. And Jesus comes up and goes, follow me? <laughs> Matthew goes, that's yeah, fine. I Okay. Uh, somebody else can do this. Like, whatever. It's like, it says, uh, and Levi got up. This verse 28, left everything and followed him. And it's just like you were talking about earlier of left everything. The money. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Left everything. everything. 
Left most things. Mm. Gave his two weeks notice. Mm. No. Nope. Nope. Sorry. Okay. Here we go. I am, uh, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So they said to him, John's disciples, that's John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, often fast and pray. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. And Jesus answered, they're hungry. No, I'm just kidding. Can, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? He's saying some strong words here. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. So he's saying it's party time, yeah. not morning time. I'm here. This is the time to celebrate. There will come a time where they don't feel like celebrating. But right now, this is good news. It's all good news. But right now, we're having a great time. So we're going to enjoy it and party like it's a great time. Yeah, take off, buzzkill. Yeah. Verse 36, he told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they'll have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say, the old is better. Wine. uh, Ferments. Right, Orion? Uh, it's a fermented drink. Yes, yeah. Fermentation Which typically gives takes off some amount of time. Fermentation gives uh, it has an off-gassing effect. As something ferments, it breathes. Right? Or uh, it doesn't breathe. No. It gives off yeah. gas. Yes. Yeah. So this is why you don't put new wine into old wineskins. New wine will off-gas and stretch. The wineskins, as it ferments. Old wineskins have already been stretched because they had wine in them before. Mm-hmm. So if you put new wine in them and that new wine off-gasses, it will stretch and burst old wineskins. Makes sense to me. This is why you don't put new wine into old wineskins. Sounds good. Also, no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. I'm not a wine drinker. Not Nor a fan. I... Just not a fan of the style. I don't get it. I, I don't understand the appeal. I don't also. I also don't like have tasted wine. Yes, not like I'm like you shouldn't drink wine. Like drink it if you want to drink it, but I just don't like it. Wine to me tastes like bad breath. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my gosh! I never had the words for it, and there it is. It does taste like bad breath. You're right. Um, but I do know this about wine. Everybody wants old wine. Like the old years, people are like, this is a Chateau de Smelly Feet, 1928. <laughs> ah, a Port de Stank Breath. It's much better than the Chateau de Feet, 1932. <laughs> the older is far better. I don't know why this is. Interesting about that. Um, did you know some uh, branches or whatever, what have you of... The Christian faith would say that we're not supposed to have wine. Yes. And they... The alcohol is the devil, yes. They think that when Jesus made wine, that he actually made juice, not fermented drink. That he turned the water into grape juice 
maybe Martinelli's sparkling cider. <laughs> and, oh, that's apples. Sorry. And here's Jesus saying nobody wants new wine after they've had the old yeah. because the old is better. And yeah. also in the story of the uh, converting the water to the wine that everyone says, hey, how come you held out on this stuff, like serving it for last? Because the rule was serve the Best old first. stuff first yeah. because then the new cruddy stuff is going to – people won't care because they'll all be pretty they'll be drunk, well yeah. along their way, right? Yeah. How do people think that Jesus didn't make wine? I don't get it. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> I don't understand the things that we try to make the Bible say, like try to try to make it fit some worldview that makes no sense. Like I just don't get it. It's it, – yeah. It's it, – it's pharisaical. Is what it is. Sure. We're creating extra rules for people. Yep. Because we think that will lead them to righteousness. And those rules are contrary to... What's in the Bible? To the, the, that laid out by God and the disciples, you know, the apostles. Like, it's just so weird. I and our know. righteousness doesn't come from rules. Nope. If you go to the book of Acts... Oh, man. Here, I get to pull this one out again. Not Romans. All right. Uh, it's Acts. He, he uh, usually in, goes to Romans at about this point. It's, it's going to happen. It might happen. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But um, if you go to Acts... There's this, Paul has his first missionary journey. He starts in Antioch and he goes to a bunch of different places I can't remember now. And then he rewinds his trip and comes backwards through all these places and he ends in Antioch again. He's back to the church in Antioch and it's been a year-ish or two, I think. Um, And he's like, so everything going good here? And the people in Antioch are like, oh yeah, it's going great. Uh, After you came and told us about Jesus, these other guys came in and said that... uh, the Jesus is great, but we also have to uh, adhere to the law. So we're going to do circumcision on Tuesday of next week. And we've changed our diet. And we've thrown out our cotton poly blend shirts and everything else. We're, we're adhering to the law. And Paul goes, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell you you had to do that. You don't have to do that. And they're like, oh, no, no. These people explained it. They said what you taught us was great, but we got to do this too. And Paul goes, no, you don't. And they go, well, but they said we do. And Paul goes, I don't think you do. And then these, they called them Judaizers come to Paul and they're like, oh yeah, they do. You know the law. You know they have to. And Paul goes, I don't, I don't think they do. And the Judaizers go, no, they do. And Paul goes, well, let's, let's go to Jerusalem and we'll meet with the other apostles and we'll come to a conclusion on this. And so that's what happens. They go, they sit down and they have this whole long drawn out discussion. And finally, Peter, uh, he references the law like this. He goes, how can we burden the Gentiles with a yoke that we ourselves were not able to bear? He goes, uh, let's write the Gentiles a letter. Let's tell them to not eat food sacrificed to idols, not eat the meat of strangled animals, to uh, abstain from blood, and to avoid sexual immorality. Oh, and no wine coolers. No, no. <laughs> that's not in there. It's those four things. You would be well to stay away from these four things. Other than that, go. Mm -hmm. Be like Jesus. Whatever that means. In the process of being like Jesus, avoid these four things. And that's it. Why, for the last 2,000 years, do we keep adding to the list? Because the same thing happened 6,000 years ago. It might be five and a half. I'm not real good at this math. Um where God gave Moses the law. Here's all of it. 
By the time Jesus had come, the Pharisees had been around long enough that they went, oh yes, here's the law, but then add all this stuff to it too. Can't work on uh, Saturdays. So that means you can only walk this far because if you walk further, that might be work. Um, if you do this, you can't do that because that might be work. You can't do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, on top of all the law God had already given them. And we read that in the New Testament. We read about the Pharisees doing that. We're like, what morons? Oh, well, but don't have wine after church. Mm -hmm. But it's not in there. Right. But we're doing this. We've been doing the same thing to people. We got to stop doing it. Please. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Drop the mic. Nah, I want to say one more thing. Uh, we're not going to drop the mic there. The, <laughs> the, the other one that Jesus references in here, uh, besides the wine and the wineskins, is the garment thing. And I mentioned it because I like it. Um, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. You got an old pair of jeans, you rip a hole in them, you don't go buy a new pair of jeans and cut a piece out of them and sew it into the old jeans. But the old is better. No. <laughs> with wine. Uh, yes. Not it's with two jeans. things. One... You're ruining, you're wasting new jeans. If you're going to buy new jeans, wear new jeans. Don't cut them up to patch old jeans. I understand you probably like your old jeans. Jeans do get comfortable. More Don't worry, so the new ones wear. will get old. They will. Um, the other thing that's ridiculous, and I think it's, it's in a different account or it's in another translation. Uh, if you sew new denim to old denim and patch it and then go wash those clothes, mm -hmm. the patch is going to rip right out of the old denim because the old denim has shrunk. And the new has not. And so you wash it, the new patch will shrink and yank right out of its spot. It's dumb. N nobody tries to integrate it that way. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Um, and what he's basically trying to say is, is uh, we, can't, we can't do things the same way they've always been done. You want these disciples to fast and to pray or whatever because they're mourning or missing God in their lives. But God has come in the form of Jesus. He's with them. Why would we mourn the absence when he's present? Why would we give reverence to the absence when he's present? He goes, we're going to eat, we're going to drink, and we're going to party. And what he doesn't say is, we got three and a half years of this thing, and we are going to ride it all the way to the end. Trust me, they will fast. There's a time coming. But I'm here with them now. He references himself as the bridegroom. It's so obvious but so subtle at the same time. We can see it in looking at it. You almost wonder what, what's going on in the head of the Pharisees of, did this guy just say? And you'll hear people who go, oh, the teachings of Jesus are great. He was a good teacher, but he never really referenced himself as any sort of God or mm -hmm. deity. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what he did. Those who were there and heard him say this knew exactly that's what he was saying. Even though it doesn't look like it blatantly on the surface to us, if you were there, you'd heard it.